Kia ora, call Jane Patterson TNA, Ane te porongo to rangapomo TNA wiki. Welcome to Focus on Politics. Campaign 2023, week two. Ah, beautiful! Welcome, sir. Break the glass, hit the panic button, Labour. This is your crisis poll. Labour has collapsed to the terrifying 20s, 26.8%. The numbers are not where we need them to be, and I accept responsibility for that. We've got a turnaround job here to do. Labour has left the cupboard bare. We are seeing light at the end of the tunnel. I'm not restrained um, by bigger parties. I'm not, I'm not the value added or the plus one. We are it. New Zealand First is on five. So on these numbers, Winston Peters is back in the game and to party Māori is... But none too much. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is New Zealand and everything that's in it, and which is more, will all be Kiwis. Everyone. I appreciate there'll be different economists with lots of different views, but at the end of the day, we have a really well thought through intelligent plan here. Regardless of the tax situation or anything else that happens, rents go up and they never come down. They only ever go up, no matter what the tax settings that you have. And that's in part because houses are the only risk-free investment category in this country, as guaranteed by several generations of finance ministers. Well, I'm just astonished we're in a debate where the National Party is now arguing that they will tax more and Labour <laughs> is saying that, that they won't tax more. It was a big week in the campaign, a huge focus on the economy, not just the cost of living on the ground, but the big picture stuff, with the pre-election unveiling of the books. If you listen to Labour, it was good news. We are seeing light at the end of the tunnel. The message from National. Labour has left the cupboard bare. After years of spending up a storm, the day of reckoning is now here. That light at the end of the tunnel still feels like a long way away for these Auckland supermarket shoppers. I come back from countdown, aim to be bags I'm like, I haven't actually bought anything and it's $100 and I don't have a meal here. I don't see it getting better if they're saying it's better at the moment. The most expensive bread nowadays is over three bucks. It's more expensive than petrol, a litre! I just can't believe it. I've had enough. This week, New Zealand Herald political editor Claire Trevette and Deputy Political Editor Thomas Coughlin, RNZ political reporter Katie Scotcher and me, Jane Patterson, joined Morning Report's Corin Dan for a wrap-up of the week. Thomas, you're a, I know you're someone who loves the numbers. Uh, this really did have big implications for both the major parties, really, in terms of what they have promised and their credibility. Yeah, massively, and, and I guess the prefit is something in the air for everyone. Uh, it, it was bad, but not as bad as we'd feared, which I guess is, is pretty good for Labour. Um, but obviously, it's 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 not great. I think it's the fourth straight set of forecasts, which has been gloomier than the last one. So that's that's pretty good for National. I think that the biggest thing for the prefit is actually what the assumptions underpinning it are, uh, and that is that that is that. Labour, if it were to be returned to government, would run budgets that are smaller 
been basically all but one of the budgets that they've delivered in their six years in office. Uh, and a lot of people, particularly national, are, are questioning whether those assumptions are actually credible uh, and, and whether the, the assumptions that underpin these slightly rosier than, than, than expected forecasts are actually going to come to pass because they, they doubt that Grant Robertson can actually deliver these small budgets. That is actually an issue for national too because national in the next fortnight has to deliver its own fiscal plan, its alternative budget, and it has to make its promises add up within those allowances that Grant Robertson has set. Otherwise, it needs to cut even more spending than it's already announced it would cut Claire, or borrow more. I'll come to you on this because in terms of trying the analysis around this, it's difficult because on the one hand you get the party a part, uh, label say it's all fine, everything's... Well, what, did he say, what did Grant Robertson say last night? It's all okay. It's all okay. It's okay. And he's got the credit rating agencies to back him up on that score. But in the, on the other hand, there are many economists who look at that and go, it's heroic, it's optimistic, and National you know, is really pushing the line here that things are in dire straits. So where, where do we end up as the public in the middle of all of this? Well, we end up knowing there's not much money to spend for either of them and leaving it up to them to convince us that they can get the policies that they've announced in for bargain, bargain prices. Or as Christopher Luxon would say, warehouse price is not Gucci. Y- yes, and and then you get, I suppose, you get the, it does open up some room, does it, for the for the minor parties in the sense that ACT has been able to look get on its high horse and say, well, we'll change our tax policy and we're going to respond to what we see. The Greens say they've got their wealth tax. Yeah, the David Seymour tax policy thing was quite interesting. He said their caucus is going to meet again to decide whether or not they can afford to do their tax cuts programme. They have a massive tax cuts programme. It's not um, it's not at the same level as nationals, but they also have far more extreme cuts for the public sector and stuff to go with it. So they are revising theirs, which of course puts kind of the eyeball onto National who, who announced their tax cuts before Prefew came out clearly and said that it was completely immune to anything that was in Prefew because of the ways they were going to fund it. So they don't think, and they can't now, go back and think actually we have to downsize our tax cuts or push it out so they don't come into effect till a bit later or anything like that because they'd given that cast iron guarantee before Prefew. So National haven't left themselves much room mm. to move. So the questions they're being asked now is whether or not they have to cut any of their other policies to to kind of fit and of the, course fit the they won't cut they won't adjust their tax cuts. National Party leader Christopher Luxon's running a high energy campaign, buoyed by the polls and the opportunity to get as much airtime as Labor's Chris Hipkins did when the business was back at Parliament. But he continues to face questions about his party's tax plan, namely, can it raise enough money from the proposed foreign buyers tax to pay for it? After National batted away potential obstacles like free trade deals and double tax agreements, analysis done by two economists and Nick Goodall from CoreLogic found a massive hole in the numbers. Basically, that not enough houses would be sold to raise the three quarters of a billion dollars each year as pitched in National's plan. I'm absolutely confident and rock solid that we know what we're doing well, and we will be able to deliver this. Why not show us? Uh, because I, 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 we've given you what you need to see. His reluctance to reveal the arithmetic has prompted some economists to do the working themselves. Bring in Michael Riddell and Sam Warburton, two economists, one from the right, the other the left. There's no way that they can raise those numbers on the parameters that they've specified in any sort of plausible scenario. Their numbers are not in any way plausible. Their estimates are just far too high. The two have used real-world property data from Statistics New Zealand and from CoreLogic to reach their conclusion. 
They've taken into account house prices, stock and sales, behavioural changes, and they've excluded Australian and Singaporean buyers. Here's CoreLogic's head of research, Nick Goodall. The one thing we can't do is is really stack up the figures to find the um, figure that they landed on with their revenue generated. These are serious, credible, uh, non-political economists. So for National to say yesterday, well, it's just Labour, you know, heating up its um, critique by through these economists, um, that's just not credible. They, these economists said they weren't uh, convinced by National's initial arguments that they could pay for the tax cuts. They went and using the little bits of information um, about the underlying assumptions from National put together um, the set of numbers, and they've challenged National to say, well, if you think that we're wrong and, and what they came up with was a multi-million dollar hole um, and into the billions over the forecast period, release your numbers. Um, and Nicola Willis yesterday uh, at the finance debate was saying, well, we're not going to get into releasing Excel spreadsheets and that sort of thing. But I do think that given the ongoing criticism and questions about it, um, I'm not quite sure how National's going to... Um, address it other than bluster through and basically if they get elected and then have to deal with it then uh, that might be the plan. Katie Scotcher, you've been out on the campaign trail with uh, Labour, have they been buoyed by this? I mean they would be um, you know, they've had a rough few weeks, this would be something for them to seize on wouldn't it? Yeah they've really really latched onto this every uh, media stand up every day this week on the campaign Chris Hipkins has come out and said it's 12 days 13 days, 14 days since National released its tax plan and is still yet to release the full costings behind it and yesterday he kind of even ramped up the attacks even further kind of comparing National's plan to Liz Truss's uh, tax cuts in England and the economic chaos that it caused over there and I think we heard in that montage um, before calling National the least transparent opposition ever so they're really latching onto this and I think they don't really have a lot to go on at the moment in terms of um, their campaign uh, and attacking National. They're really focusing on this and hoping that this is something that will change. Is Chris Hipkins getting any better at the campaigning? Because he was, you know, if you compare him with Christopher Luxon who seems quite natural at interacting with, with the public. I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say he's gotten better. Um, it's still quite awkward and I don't think that I've been trying to figure out this week and understand why he is awkward I don't think that he is not enjoying himself Um, I think that he is just not very comfortable or very good at talking to random members of the public you know he'll walk around um, we went to the Christchurch markets this week and he kind of walks around and takes pictures with people and I actually think Labour may have found a way around this they get their really extroverted MPs in there to try and build up some energy. Mm. Thomas, um, I think it was uh, either yourself or Claire or someone was pointing out this week that, it, that it, the irony being that uh, Christopher Luxon has been good at campaigning and does seem comfortable out there, but has struggled with interviews as opposed to Hipkins, who maybe doesn't. Yes, there's a real contrast there. I mean, since um, Christopher Luxon became leader of the opposition, he's, he has struggled in those traditional political kind of forums. He's, he's, he's quite bad in long-form interviews. There's an interview on Q&A last weekend, which was just dire. Uh, he's, he's you know not that great in question time, not that great in forums like, like your weekly interviews. Um, but we've seen on the campaign trail that he's a, he's incredibly extroverted and a master of the kind of ten second conversation, which is what which is what makes up 
campaigning, just just meeting thousands of people and having little little conversations with them. Chris Hipkins, uh, by contrast, I think is he's quite good in, in his um, in Parliament, quite good at his weekly broadcast media round, um, but but really quite dire out on the campaign trail. I did um, I was out on the trail with him last Friday, and it was it was not pretty. He gave a, a classroom of refugees a sort of lecture on the constitutional structure of New Zealand and the difference between the head of state and the head of government, and you could just see them bored to tears. There was well, actually another um, kind of weird example. We were, went to a Pacifica church service on Sunday and Chris Hipkins kind of goes up to the pulpit to talk about um, the campaign and kind of asks everyone in the in the church to vote for Labour. Um, but at the start of his kind of speech to everyone in the church, he says, Happy Writ Day. I mean, no one in that church is going to know that it's right. I didn't even know it was Writ Day. <laughs> Once a political geek, always a political geek. Just to, just to balance the ledger a bit here, because we've done a fair bit of bagging of, of old Hipkins, but I noticed the, the difference is, as you say, the performance in front of the media and the set pieces versus voter interaction on the streets. So I noticed that when his response to Prefew, um, when Christopher Luxon and Nicola Willis did a press conference and Christopher Luxon did a very long kind of initial kind of thing, which he had to read out from his notes. Now, you wouldn't have got Chris Hipkins standing up there and responding to something on Prefew by sitting there reading out from his notes to make sure he got everything in and his thing. So that's just the kind of rookie. He's still a rookie at that level. Queenstown, Labour's record under the spotlight. We did invest to save people's lives and to save people's businesses. And yes, it costs some money. Governments need to do that. We do it in a balanced and responsible way, and we look after people. The recipes I'm hearing up here are all in hindsight. Take yourself back to March 2020. I think New Zealand did pretty well. If that's the case, why does spending not get under 30% for the entire forecast period? Remember this guy? Remember this guy? He was the one who promised that spending should be less than 30% of GDP. I put out a 30-page document, Grant, and do you know what it's got at the heart of it? We'll we'll get on to that in a moment. New Zealand is getting to keep more of their own money because they're sick of the way you spend. And National's tax plan firing up the debate. I'm going to tax them, and I'm going to use that to ensure New Zealanders, the squeezed middle, working people, get to keep more of what they earn. Show us the details. If you're so confident... Yeah, sh- no, show, show us hey, the details. Hey, look, I'm... So no, 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 seriously, let's do this. If you're so confident, where are the actual costings? Another notable story this week, Act leader David Seymour floating the idea of agreeing to just confidence. If his party can't settle on an acceptable full coalition or confidence and supply deal with National. It's not our preferred scenario, but there is a possibility that you know the Nats are not prepared to truly share power. They don't agree with us about the magnitude of change that is required for New Zealand to turn itself around. And so we basically say, OK, well, Chris, you know, we promised we'd support a change of government, so you'll be the Prime Minister, but we're going to sit down at the end of Parliament and you'll need to come and talk to us about every single vote. That will be gruelling and, and challenging, no question, um, but we're prepared to do it if the alternative is taking the baubles of office and letting our voters in New Zealand down. So, yep, we're, um, I've done it before. I turned down being a minister to do end-of-life choice and I'm you know, getting drummed into our team that we may have to do that again to achieve our real goal which is not you know getting a title or a limo but actually making New Zealand a better place. So there's a scenario there is there for a minority government where ACT could say promise confidence and supply but then National has to negotiate for every other policy? 
I think it would probably be just confidence. We'd still be um, negotiating even on budgets because that's where there's a pretty big difference. The National Party criticises uh, Labour for increasing spending by a billion dollars a week, and they're absolutely right to criticise Labour on that. We do too. The difference is that you know Labour are proposing to keep 98% of that spending going. Um, I think New Zealand needs a more authentic change of direction than that. Could National go to the Governor-General without the guarantee of supply and really promise a stable government? I think that would be novel constitutional territory, but ultimately it wouldn't be national. The Governor-General would be talking to multiple party leaders about that. Let's talk a little bit about some of the minor parties and where they are at and the polls. Uh, Jane, uh, the Winston Peters factor, it is there. It is perhaps the big factor looming because even though the centre-right is uh, in the lead in most of these polls, is not a big margin for Winston to come storming back in. So <clears throat> Winston Peters and that one news variant poll in New Zealand First hitting that 5% threshold and it really puts the pressure I think on National in terms of uh, it continuing to say that it would work with New Zealand First because Christopher Luxon needs that option and uh, I think there's another battle going on between New Zealand First and ACT for some of those votes too so um, if all three of those parties end up getting through uh, then it does give Christopher Luxon of course National Will and on polling ACT Will so New Zealand First is the the questionable one there but it gives him um, options even um, if they have serious doubts about working with Winston Peters it gives them the leverage um, in negotiation with ACT, who of course um, has been talking about uh, quite a radical negotiating strategy, um, only offering confidence. Um, he's wanted to put a bit of context around that this week, saying we're not throwing our toys out of the cot, of course we want to work with National, we're just exploring scenarios. So some really interesting um, dynamics shifting around there, but uh, on all that polling and also in the News Hub Read research, um, and again New Zealand first performing strongly, so definitely some momentum mm. there for that that just campaign. a final word from you on Act, uh, we've seen some polls having them at 18%, but the last two big polls are back down to 10 Do you think they have faltered a little bit, David Seymour, some of the controversies around selection and that sort of thing? Uh, that may have hit them. I, I'm more of the view that it's National is clawing back some of its voters. New Zealand First has clawed back some of its actors dropping. We're now in the campaign where the vast bulk of the attention is on the two contenders to be Prime Minister and so David Seymour has found it hard to get the same media time and visibility that he normally would. So I think that that's, that's kind of where Act is lying. So he'll be, he'll be very nervous because he'll be watching, thinking, am I gonna, how many am I going to lose back to National? If National keeps picking up and goes above 40, he'll be, he'll be quite nervous about where he mm. might end up. Opposite for the Greens Opposite, because yeah. Labour is dropping. So they're apparently starting to tick up a bit in Labour's internals as Labour drops. Um, as Labour's been dropping, it's the Greens have been picking up for that um, kind of cross-Labour-Greens vote. So... It's, that's just the way it works for them. The second week of the campaign, mostly done and dusted. A big thanks to Claire and Thomas, and from me, Katie and Corin. Kakite, thanks for joining us. Focus on Politics will be back next week.